Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of The Breakthrough Maze. My name is Joe Applebaum, and what I do here is I speak to entrepreneurs that are looking to create more power, more freedom, and more self-expression in their life. Welcome to the program. I just had an amazing conversation with Charles Bernard, the CEO of Criteria for Success. He's an incredible sales trainer, a Vistage member, a community with over 20,000 CEOs, and a speaker. And he has this incredible idea about celebration, about how to break through if you're ever stuck, about how to hire people, about how to compensate salespeople. He's really an expert, and today I have the privilege of having him on the Breakthrough Maze. I'm going to be having a couple of coaches on the Breakthrough Maze this year so that I can figure out how they help people create breakthroughs in their life. So join me here today. Learn about how to create breakthroughs in your life. Learn how to hire. And learn how to celebrate. Let's do this together. I'm so excited about this program. It's going to be amazing. Let's get the party started. Thank you so much for joining me here on this podcast today. I'm so glad that you are here. The goal of the Breakthrough Maze is to help people, entrepreneurs, salespeople, professionals, be able to create breakthroughs in their life. And you're doing sale, you've been doing sales coaching for a while. And in general, been through the ringer when it comes to personal development and figuring yourself out. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience. And then we'll get right into a couple of tips for people that they can use to be able to create a breakthrough in their life. Thanks for the question, Joe, and I'm very happy to be on this call with you. Um, so I've been selling for 20 plus years and managing salespeople and working with different sides of the equation on the buying side. I do buying as well. I hire people. Um, so I've been doing that for quite a while, but before that, I actually started my career as a systems analyst in the data processing field. So I was in information systems. I was a techie. I was kind of nerdy. I probably still am. And um, that, while it was at um, General Electric, where I was in the late 80s, that I um, really got my sales chops. I got promoted uh, because of a circumstance that kind of had me fall into sales. It's not like I really banged on anyone's door and said I want to become a salesperson. And um, I don't know, I, I don't like to say I was a natural because I don't think that that's really true. I think people can kind of create themselves into something. Um, but I did have an interest in sales and um, all the stuff that's involved with that. And that's how I became a salesperson. That's awesome. So when you're working with somebody and they're having trouble, they're frustrated, and they don't see the way out. What do, you, what do you typically tell them? What do they need to look at? Well, before I drill down and I ask them about specifically what it is that they're frustrated about so I can give them some very pinpointed um, advice, uh, what I generally say is have a system in place that you can use if you need it and so if you find yourself in a situation where you're struggling, you can go back to your system. And um, 
you know, my my system's pretty straightforward, I I think, and um, that's what I recommend. So create a system for yourself that will kind of pull you out of whatever black hole you fell in. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody's stuck in a black hole, the key is for them to have some type of a schedule or a system or a strategy that they can get back on the bandwagon. Because if there's no if there's no plan, they kind of get stuck. But what in terms of like sales, let's say somebody's like in a sales funk and they're just not developing sales. Things are just not going the way that they're that they'd like them to go. I was recently speaking to an entrepreneur and he said, Joe, I'm really good at learning technical sp- skills, but the business side of things, the sales side specifically, I get very, very stuck and I don't even know where to begin. And I've read all the books. I've listened to Zig Ziglar, I Brian Tracy and like all the people. And for some reason, it's just not working for me. What would you tell them to do? Wow. Well, first thing, you know, I can't ever work with anybody who doesn't have the the, the will or the intention to want to um, improve or do what they want to do. So assuming they're stuck in a funk, they, they uh, want to stay in a sales career and a career where they're selling and not give up. Um, then I think I can give suggestions. And I think the easiest thing to do is to really keep it simple, right? And not try to fill your pipeline in 24 hours and get a whole bunch of new appointments, but celebrate all the steps that it takes to get there. And that's what I mean by system. It's kind of like um, you want a system for prospecting. Actually, let me step back. What you really want is a the first thing I think is universal, Joe, is to have a system to get yourself organized. Because I'm going to say most everybody is in a funk or in a breakdown because they lost focus. So the very first thing you want is a system that's going to help you focus. And so what I say is have a start a day system or kind of like three or four things that you're going to do when you get to your office and you open up your computer and for me, the three things I do is I look at my what I call work in progress, which is a binder where I'm making notes throughout the day. And I do that every day. So now it's Wednesday and I've got a whole bunch of notes for the whole week. I usually every morning look at what's outstanding so I can put it in my calendar or shoot out emails or know what I need to do that I might have missed. So that's one. The second thing in my start a day process is to look at my emails and make sure I'm all caught up and I'm not missing any emails from the day before. And so I can create a list of people I need to get back to. And then um, the third simply is looking at my calendar. What's my day look like? Where am I going to have some room to put new stuff? And um, so that's that's kind of like my, my start a day process to get me focused. Um, and actually something you taught me, which I've been telling a lot of people, I don't know if you knew this, Joe, but hmm. I have an end-of-day process, and I have a very similar look at my work in progress, look at my emails, look at my um, calendar, and then something that I've done since you taught me this is to think of three things I'm grateful for and three people I helped. Wow. The reason I right i mean and 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 the reason i do that is because it gives me a little sense of accomplishment and kind of gets me out of that you know mindset that i've had a swirl all day yeah yeah and we often as entrepreneurs we give ourselves so much to do 
that we end up losing focus, we end up losing organization, we increase the amount of pressure and noise that we have in our life. And by having the start of day system, which is fantastic, I love your idea with the binder, work in progress stuff. I love the fact that you look at your emails and you look at your calendar. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I speak to or even professionals that work at companies that don't even look at their calendar. They kind of just start their day. They start their day reacting to their text messages and they're all frustrated and they're not sure what's going to happen. And if you're anxious about what's next, look at your next couple of things. So I love that you do that every single morning and that kind of gives you the ability to focus, get organized, prepare for the things that you have and know what you can do. But there's something that you said that really resonated with me which was celebrate the small steps. And I was speaking to a a gentleman that I was coaching this morning. We were having a conversation about this. And he said, I don't want, he told me, I don't want to be the guy that gets a reward for doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want a participation trophy. So (laughs) what do you say about that? (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) I laugh because, I know we tend to focus on the big prize and and trying to give ourselves some justification for an accomplishment. And um, I I really disagree in many ways with not celebrating the win. So I'll tell you in a sales context, for me, the things that I celebrate, I celebrate getting someone on the phone that has taken my call and is willing to have a conversation about an opportunity. Whether I get it or not, that to me, is a thing I celebrate. Obviously, if that call turns into a meeting, I give myself uh, a a pat on the back for that. It makes me feel good. Like a couple of days ago, someone went radio silent on me. We have this big opportunity, and I was very excited when it came along our way, and we've been talking to the client, and then all of a sudden, he fell off the face of the earth, and I couldn't get in touch with him, um, and I tried something i sent him something that i thought would be valuable and he got back in touch and actually this morning someone who works for him left me a voicemail saying they want to set up a meeting so i would celebrate that um, if that meeting turns into an opportunity i'd celebrate that so i'm basically saying all those interim key milestones that lead to a deal because otherwise what i find is happening is we don't give ourselves enough permission to enjoy what we're doing unless we have a really big win and think about it how many times are you going to win a piece of business in a week maybe not at all maybe once a month and so what does that mean that the rest of your month or the rest of your week was was in for nothing and so i do think it's important to uh, celebrate the key milestones you have to celebrate picking up the phone or tying your shoes in the morning but I think it's important to pick and choose, you know, what are the what are the significant milestones for you and yeah. celebrate them. And and documenting what the milestones are cuz often we forget that it was a milestone that we got someone on the phone or often we forget that it was a milestone that the call turned into an appointment or the appointment turned into a proposal or the proposal turned into whatever the next stage is in the sales process or or whatever you're trying to accomplish. So getting to the next step is really important and setting those styles milestones and identifying what they are for each of one of you individually is so important. Could you tell me how you celebrate? Cause people use the word loosely celebrate. What does that mean? To celebrate means having a drink. Does it mean taking a break? <laughs> does it mean buying yourself a fur coat? What does celebrate? Yeah. Mean? 
That's a really good question. So the easy answer is celebrate by just kind of smiling, feeling good. But the way I specifically celebrate is, so I have an office. You've been here. You've seen my team. Um, we're very open, so we're, we're always shouting across the desk at each other. It seems to, to be the way we are. We, do, we share a lot. And so for me, celebrating uh, equates to sharing. So I will literally, in any of those milestones I shared with you, I'll hang up the phone or I'll come back from an appointment, and I'll tell my team, Rebecca's right across from me, Elizabeth's right across from me, Ariana's around the corner, Gary's across from me. And so... I feel celebrating is sharing, and I'll just say something about, hey, you know what? I just got off the phone, and I set up this appointment. I just had this great conversation. I learned something. Here's what I learned, and they'll usually respond. And in a way, they do the same thing. They'll get off the phone so and, and share what – so that's what I mean by celebrating. Wow, I love that. I love that every single week we have a weekly meeting on Mondays, and we have a whole process for our weekly meeting. We're organized. We look at our numbers. We look at our core values, our mission, our vision. Like we review everything together. And then one person does like an employee highlight. Uh, the other person does an inspiration minute. And after that, we do humble brags and we do gratitude. And I love this. I love this thing of celebration equals sharing that you just said, which is such a such a shift in mindset where people are often complaining and they're sharing the things that end up not happening. Like, Oh, the client is MIA. He's ghosting me, this, that, whatever. But when it comes to sharing successes, people think it's bragging, but it's okay to brag. If you did it, it's okay. If it's a humble brag, it's okay. If it's a celebration. So instead of calling it bragging, celebrate, that's very powerful. Yeah. Wow. So you also said something important and that is that, you know, sharing feedback can be positive or negative, right? And sometimes I'll share something where I'm frustrated. I got off the phone and I'm working with a client and they're not getting it. And I feel like I'm throwing, beating my head against the wall. And Elizabeth will listen and she'll go, okay, I get it. And she could either choose to just let me vent or it's an opportunity for coaching. And so, Either way, this whole idea of sharing, I think, is really powerful, whether it's to celebrate something or whether it's to vent or whether it's to get, you know, some input, coaching, whatever. And what I love about sharing, the idea of sharing is that oftentimes, you know, I'm part of a, a forum called an entrepreneur's organization, an EO forum, and I was part of a Vistage group with you where executives get together on a monthly basis and we share. And before I did that, before I was part of these groups and started sharing, I didn't understand how much the power of sharing, how good it felt to prepare for the forum, to prepare for the meeting, and to be able to share an update on what's going on in my business and all that stuff. So I feel like it's so important to do that and to do it consistently in an organized way. What do you think about sharing successes in social media? Well, I think it's, I think it's a great idea if there's a point that you want. So I think social media is, you know, it's a much bigger forum. It's obviously less intimate than someone right across the desk from you. And I feel that um, the way I like to consume information on social media is when I get an insight or something valuable. So if someone's going to share a success, I always love to kind of, 
get in that success what the person learned. And usually when the person's saying in, in that success story or whatever it is they're sharing, what they got, chances are they did it with the intention that a good percentage of people reading that post on social media will probably identify. You talked about Vistage, and we were in a group together, like you said. I know, I'm sure you remember, we used to have what we called issue processing, where one person would um, have an issue, and the group would interact with that person. And I think many, many times, I remember us saying, listen, I was very grateful that we processed your issue, but it was really very similar to an issue I have. So I learned as much in you sharing about your issue and your concern because it applies to me too. So I think social media is a great platform for sharing successes and failures, providing, I guess there's a caveat where, you know, um, I'd, I'd like to see that the person sharing is also um, doing it from a point of view of adding value. Yeah, from a point of view of adding value, that's very, very important. And in terms of creating breakthroughs, because this is the breakthrough maze after all, one of the greatest things that I've learned from watching hundreds of people getting coached, whether it's through Landmark or whether it's through Tony Robbins or whether it's through Vistage or Entrepreneurs Organization, getting, watching people getting live coached over the past couple of years have taught me that while somebody else gets coached, the pressure is off. There's no judgment on you personally by watching somebody else get coached. So that's a very powerful way to be able to create a breakthrough is being in that experience where you're watching somebody else get coached. What do you yes. think about coaching other people in front of other people, especially at work? I think it's good. There's, there's a caveat, and that is that you get permission, right? And I, I think not to assume that people are going to want to be coach publicly but if it's okay with the person being coached um, then I think it's really helpful because it's also a time saver you know instead of one-on-one -on -one with a whole bunch of people and then repeating what what was said so others can gain insights like you yeah. said if it's done in a group I think you can save time and um, I, I'm all for it cool yeah as long as there's agreement I heard a saying coaching without permission is criticism so that's a, a powerful, powerful line that I learned in my own personal relationships with my wife. <laughs> uh, coaching without permission is criticism. So I got to make sure to check in to see, yeah. like you said, is Elizabeth going to just hear me out, hear me vent, or is she just going to give me coaching? And obviously if she asks for permission and you give her permission, or if you get permission to coach somebody in front of other people, it could be a very powerful experience. Yesterday, I did uh, my second open house. So I'm doing open houses instead of doing one-on-one -on -one interviews. I do an open house where I invite 10 to 15 people to our office and we all sit around and have a conversation. I first do a quick presentation on our company, our history and the job that we're looking to hire for. Um, and then I answer any questions that they might have. And then each person goes around telling a little bit about themselves. And what I end up doing is I end up kind of like giving them advice. And some people end up saying, hey, this is not for me, but they end up getting a lot of value, whether it's book recommendations or in general business and marketing advice. And I feel like it's a very powerful place where people can come and share. What do you think about the hiring process in general? Because I know you're involved in hiring salespeople or for people looking for jobs. How do you, what do, what do you think is the best way to go about the hiring process? Oh, I love that question. We, um, we love the work we've done because we've really learned from working with clients. They've done most of the teaching, teaching us, and we have distilled all that learning into some practical ideas, which I'm very happy to share. 
Um, I think the first thing philosophically when we're talking about hiring is that you really want to hire on three things. Um, and it's an acronym, TEC, T-E-C. Um, you want to hire for talent, experience, and chemistry. And then we usually um, focus on the number one, which is chemistry. That's usually the most valuable because we found you can find talented, experienced people who just don't fit the culture or they're just not able to relate to the rest of the team. And, and regardless of how talented they are or how much experience they have, um, if the chemistry isn't there, then it's really not going to work out. So chemistry is number one. Um, talent, I feel, is number two. So I'm looking for can the person think on their feet? Is this person a learner? Is this person somebody who asks for coaching, is willing to get coached and grow in the position? And that's kind of a talent thing. And then lastly, experience. I think there's got to be kind of like a bench mark for experience like you've got to have enough to get you uh, qualified for the position but I always worry about experience less because I feel you can fill gaps through coaching and through you know people can learn on the job uh, I'm not saying that you know they don't have to have any experience but like I said you know they have to have a baseline and we have a whole set of processes to identify those three things. But like I said to you, the number one is chemistry. So we have what we call the chemistry test. And it's a simple exercise that we do that we found is pretty bulletproof. And we've gotten a lot of good results from it and our clients use it. And that is to um, get a whiteboard and divide it into four columns. And then we write on the top of the four columns on the whiteboard using a dry erase. And then we hand over the dry erase to the candidate that's being interviewed. And um, we write four headings. Heading number one is what are your core values? Heading number two is what don't you like to do but will do anyway? Heading number three is what is a personal or professional win for you? And heading number four is anything else. In other words, we leave this column for anything that the candidate wants to right in and then we hand them the marker and why we call this the chemistry test is because at that point we ha we invite other people into the room so that the candidate can meet with other members of the team that they're going to be interacting with which they're going to have to have good chemistry with and it gives the team the chance to I interact with the candidate and we ask them to stand up so in a way, we've taken them out of the comfort zone of sitting behind a desk and talking about a resume and anticipating all that most interviewers are going to ask and really start to demonstrate for, them, for themselves what's personal to them. It also gives us a chance as they're going through these columns and filling out the information that they want to fill out, gives us a chance of how they interact with the people, what's the body language like, are they making eye contact, when one of us in the room asks a follow-up question, how well do they answer that. And in the space of about 20 minutes, which is what this exercise takes, we all kind of get clear on a little bit of an insight on what it's like to work with this person. And you know, when people write their core values, we, we invariably get the integrity word. That's usually, like I'd say, out of 10, it's usually eight times. 
Someone mm-hmm. will say integrity, and we go, okay, here comes the integrity word, and we ask a follow-up question. And what we're looking for is not a wrong or right answer, but we'll we'll ask follow-up questions, especially if we see familiar words, like, what does that mean to you? Kind of like what you asked me. Like, I said the word celebrate, and you said, well, we hear that a lot. What does that mean for you? So we do the same thing. You know, what does integrity mean? And then we see how they define it. And when we ask them about what they don't like to do, we had one candidate say, um, I don't like to do spreadsheets, but I'll do them. But it's boring. <laughs> we go, okay, that's fair. And then what's a personal win for you? And um, we actually ended up hiring this person. Uh, she said, um, personal win for me is making it through ballet school. Wow. And I I really woke up at that point and I said, what does that mean? And she said, I had to get up at 5.30 every morning and go to class before school. And all I kept thinking as she was telling her story about going through ballet school is, you know, she was disciplined. She broke through hard work. She's, uh, you know, she's a... Um, uh, stick to it person probably honors and keeps her commitment so that's what she wrote and then everything else uh, I can't remember oh one candidate said um, one of my favorites in the everything else anything else column was what you see is what you get that's what he wrote down and we hired him he said what you see is what you get and we like what does that mean and he said I'm pretty open. I like to work in an open environment. You know, I like to share what's on my mind and, you know, I don't like to pull my punches. And again, to us, how comfortable he was, how he answered, how he talked about that, how well he answered the follow-up questions that we asked just gave us a really good feel for what the chemistry level would be like with this guy. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. Tech, talent, experience, chemistry, so powerful, divided into four. I love the idea of having them just write things on a whiteboard just to see, A, how they write, how they think, how they stand, and to have topics of conversations because often we just ask a question and we don't listen. We don't listen to what the person even says, but this helps you listen and hone in and make them feel heard and also gives the interviewee a sense of control. They're on the whiteboard. They're presenting. You know, they're like... Mm -hmm. There, you, you can see how, you know, this is powerful. So I would, I'm probably going to use this and take it to the next level and have a whiteboard when I bring five or ten people into the room and have them all write on the whiteboard, like one at a oh, time. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Cool. What do you think about the idea of commission only versus salary plus commission when it comes to salespeople? Because I'm sure you get this question asked a lot. Certain industries like real estate and mortgages and insurance – and even the cash advance business has a lot of uh, commission-only sales reps. But then there are other industries, just general B2B industries. We might have many listeners listening to this from there. And they might be wondering, should I be paying salaries to people when they're openers or when they're closers or whatever the deal is? What's your take on the, the whole the whole way that you pay people? Right. Um, well, the quick and, and simple response is whether they're being paid uh, no salary or a small salary, if the salesperson is confident and they're good, I think the expectation for both the seller, the salesperson, and you, the employer, you should both expect that if the performance is there, that person's going to get well compensated. And so I feel most of the really talented salespeople are looking for the upside. Like, what is the upside potential? For example, 
there are some companies still that cap commissions. I'm not a believer in that. Like, you know, you hit a certain number and um, you don't get paid anymore after you uh, you make that number. So capping is off the table for me. Um, I want a salesperson to feel like they have an unlimited um, opportunity to just make tons of money. Uh, I'm a, uh, so depending on where you live, I think some you know some people live here in the New York area. It's expensive. There are expenses. It's a reality. So even if you're paying, if even if it's a pure commission person, commission only person, I think I would suggest a draw. And a draw is simply an advance on future commissions so you can help the person pay their bills and not worry about how they're going to make money for the first three months. And typically I see like a non-recoverable draw for three or six months. It's kind of like helping them get over the hump. in both cases, whether they're commissioned or they're not. Um, oh, and by the way, I, I, I didn't answer the question about on the paid side, paid salary side. I'm a big believer in one-third base, two-thirds commissions. So if you're talking to someone and one of the questions, the candidate, back to that interviewing, the candidate should say, if they're a new salesperson, like what are my commissions, um, what's, the, what's the comp plan? I usually answer the question by saying, if you make plan, meaning you hit the targets with your base your, and your commissions, you'll be at 150K, for example. And I'll even say 50 of that is base, and I expect you to make 100 in commission. And then I would show the person so they actually can see and taste and feel and know how they're going to get there. That's going to mean so many deals a month, so many deals a quarter, so many deals a year. Here's the Here's how you get paid, and some people have tiered systems, like they get, you know, a flat rate for the first uh, so much that they bring in, and then they get an extra point or two when they exceed certain thresholds. So that's all nice. The one part that I don't see, which I think is really important in a comp plan, is management by objectives and MBO plan, and that's in addition to the comp plan, whether it's commission only or it's base and commission. And that is that on a quarterly basis, I can, as the employer, adjust the commission plan on an individual person basis. So I could say, salesperson A, if you hit these goals this quarter, meaning examples would be um, selling a new product and you hit a certain dollar volume in new product sales, or you um, open up a new territory like we, we've never sold in Connecticut and we want to get that market share and if you sell 100k 500k in Connecticut we're going to give you a bonus and so some sort of behavioral bonus that allows people to focus specifically on goals interim goals as opposed to just you know selling anything any place I think is pretty important MBO, managing by objectives. Wow, powerful. No, powerful. You give people person an objective, they're going to go after it. And the more, the more focused you are, like going back to the beginning, the more focused you are, the more organized, organized you are, and the better your system, the more likely you are to succeed. Very powerful. We got some really good takeaways here about celebration, about organization, about getting clarity about how to hire people, what to look for, the tech, the whole thing. 
I love this. This was amazing. What would you say that is your number one, let's say, book to read or guru to follow? Or what are some things that people should kind of look into after listening to this in terms of creating breakthroughs and personal development and sales and all that stuff? What do you tell people to go read or do? I've got two books to recommend. So one's uh, an old book, meaning it's been around a while, and that's called E-Myth, E-M-Y-T-H, E-Myth, and it's by Michael Gerber. I think the updated version is E-Myth Revisited. And he talks about the importance of, um, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, what what hats you wear and how to organize yourself and organize your time and create these processes that we've been talking about. Um, And I found that was really helpful for me when I started my business. And then um, a book for salespeople that was actually recommended to me by a friend and I read recently is um, by a guy called Chris Voss, V-O-S-S. And um, the book is um, Never Split the Difference, How to Negotiate Like Your Life Depended on It. And this guy, Chris Voss, Uh, He's retired now, but he was the FBI's top hostage and terrorist negotiator. Wow. And so he learned how to uh, negotiate, you know, when there were bank robbers taking hostages in a bank and, you know, terrorists and all this stuff. And so he's taken that, those hardcore concepts and spun them into, um, into selling situations so that when you're with a, a client or a prospect, what are the key words you want to watch out, listen for? What are some of the key indicators that you're um, you're on track to closing a deal? Powerful. Chris Voss, never split yeah. the difference. Really, really yep. cool. I love that. And E-Myth, obviously, is an amazing book. Highly recommend everyone read that. Any final words before we wrap this up? This has been an exciting interview. No, it's been really, really, really great. And being with you, Joe, I always enjoy speaking with you. You're a good friend of CFS and a personal friend, and I'm really... Um, grateful that you uh, allowed me to say a few words and I hope it helped. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you to either hire you for your coaching services or get one of your programs or get you to come speak, how does somebody get in touch with you, find out more information about your business? Two ways. One, either go to our website, criteriaforsuccess.com. And there's uh, there's like a whole page on contacting us uh, or contacting me. If you want to get me personally, my email address is B. Bernard at criteriaforsuccess.com. And that's Bernard, B-E-R-N-A-R-D, C. Bernard at criteriaforsuccess.com. Awesome, Charles. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being part of it, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Thanks, Joe. This episode of The Breakthrough Maze is brought to you by Ajax Union, a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn, New York. Ajax Union's core focus is to support B2B companies to generate better leads, nurture those leads from the top of the funnel to the bottom line. Visit www.ajaxunion.com to learn more about our amazing offering. Thanks for listening to The Breakthrough Maze, hosted by Joe Applebaum. We hope that by listening to the journey of a stranger, you've become inspired to want a little more freedom, a little more power, and a little more vitality. To find out more about Joe Applebaum or this incredible public coaching session, go to www.joeapplebaum.com. Also, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Help make it possible for more people to benefit from this free coaching. 
leave a comment describing what you got out of this episode. 